Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us now. Let's get started. What are the costs of poor sleep on our relationship and on our life? Do we either take sleep for granted or maybe otherwise just consider it like the weather, something that we can't do anything about and we just have to live with? How has the science of sleep evolved over recent years? and What opportunities do we now have to improve the quality of our sleep? Riley Jarvis is the founder and CEO of The Sleep Consultant, an organization that helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, and high performers transform their sleep to significantly boost their productivity and energy levels, and may I say relationships as well. And we're gonna be discovering today the five tips that can revolutionize your sleep. So really excited for this. Uh, Riley, firstly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt. It's an honor to be on today. Great to have you. And um, first question I wanted to ask, Riley, based on your uh, your research and understanding, why is sleep so fundamental, so important for our well-being? Yeah, sleep is really important. You know, sleep is something that we need to recharge and recuperate, not just our physical body, but our mind as well. If we're not getting that full recharge and recovery, you can think of it like a bank account. If our body in a daytime, we go into a minus 100 deficit and we sleep and we wake up and we're still at a minus, minus 75 deficit instead of a surplus, we're going to need caffeine and things like this to kind of, you know, start to feel better. And that's going to manifest in our relationships and how we treat each other and how we feel ourselves and how we feel inside is a reflection of how we, you know, express ourselves to the world outside. And so that's why when we get pivotal sleep, we can go into a surplus and we can just be much better people um to be around makes a lot of sense right and if we're if we're better to be around that sounds like a really good starting point doesn't it for so many <laughs> aspects of our of our life and um, totally. i guess just to kind of bring this really into focus if we're not getting the right sleep if it's not working for us what kind of things are we going to experience and how is it going to affect us and the people around us yeah a lot of things so it's going to be everything from poor memory poor recall so if we go to our job we might have brain fog. We might not be as sharp as we could be. We may need, we might feel like we're a walking zombie. And if we don't have a cup of coffee, then we just can't get through the day at all. But also in our relationships too, it's going to go with, you know, reading those, like those soft skills, the tone of our voice, being able to pick up on social cues, like other people's facial expressions. If we don't have proper sleep, we all know ourselves. We know that we're more cranky. We're more, we have more of a short fuse, whether if it's with our children, colleagues, our partner, it's a lot more difficult to pick up on these things. But when we have a great sleep, everything just becomes a lot more effortless. And we're able to achieve this more effortless reality just by optimizing a few dials for our sleep. Things will just become a lot easier in our lives and we don't have to try as hard. It's just a lot more natural and organic. Mm, that makes sense, right? And um, one aspect I think you touched on, I just wanted to draw out a little bit more around like I suppose, emotional intelligence or ability to to manage and regulate our emotions, which is so important in relationships and we talk about, a lot about. How does sleep impact on our ability to regulate our emotions and our behavior, you know, day to day? Definitely. So when we sleep, we have two main phases of sleep. We have deep sleep, which is more restoring our physical body. And that's sort of the first half of our sleep cycle. So if we go to bed at 10 p.m., you can think 10 p.m. to 2, 2 p.m. is more that deep sleep, recharging our physical body. The second half of our sleep cycle is more REM sleep. This is restoring more of our mind. And we've all heard of REM sleep, but like, what is it really? In layman's terms, it's basically restoring our memory. We're consolidating memories, but we're also it's when we have these internal garbage truck cleaners that come into our brain, clean out all, all the toxins from the day prior and things like that. And we really need this 
for our body to feel fully refreshed and fully recharged. And it's during those REM sleep stages that we're restoring the emotional centers of our brain as well. And they've shown, you may, people may have heard of the amygdala. The amygdala is sort of that fear processing emotional part of our brain, pretty small, right in the middle of our brain. It's kind of the reptilian part of our brain. Um, and if we do not get sufficient sleep, they've shown people with sleep deprivation for a long enough period of time. They have the size of it is enhanced. So just our natural baseline state is we have more anxiety. We're more angry. You know, we don't have, you know, those calm, um, you know, type of emotions that would really facilitate a good relationship. So by getting good sleep, just in the short term, we're going to wake up the next day feeling a lot more recharged and restoring those emotional centers. If we do not have it, we're going to need, you know, aids to come in like coffee to help that. But long-term it's, it's detrimental, um, for our brain and, and, you know, if, if we want to facilitate a great relationship, prioritizing sleep is one of the best ways to do it. It definitely sounds like it, Riley. And I'm just imagining like couples or people when they're, they're in this cycle of, you know, they have good days and bad days and yeah. maybe sometimes they don't really know what makes a bad day or what makes a, a good day. But would you say that like the quality of sleep could be one of those factors that just determines whether we sort of deal with the day or not? Yeah, it really is. You know, it's how we present ourselves to the world, like I mentioned, is really, it really comes down to sleep. And we sometimes see sleep as this thing where we just close our eyes, we open our eyes, we just get on with our day and we put under the back burner. But if we see sleep as an investment of something that we invest in for the next day, if we think of, okay, if I get a good sleep tonight, tomorrow, my relationship is going to flourish. And I know it's like, I'm investing in this night myself for sleep so I can be a better self for my partner tomorrow. It'll, it'll manifest uh, in a lot better ways. Sounds, sounds great, Riley. And um, just coming back to the point about the REM sleep, because I was quite fascinated when I was sort of reading a bit about this in, as, as background. And um, there was an experiment where they deprived people of the REM sleep. And it had quite an extreme impact from what I understood, like where particularly, as you say, the REM sleep, they weren't getting it. It was sort of woken up in the middle of the REM sleep that yeah. it really impacted on things like anxiety, even paranoia. Um, do you want to say a bit more about that when we're not getting enough of the REM sleep in particular? Yeah, you bet. So we need about an hour and a half of REM sleep every single night, between about an hour and a half and two hours of REM sleep. Now, you really don't know this until unless you go to an official sleep study at a, a local sleep clinic or hospital. Those are great. It's just not your natural sleep environment. So one of my favorite things to do is like a sleep wearable, and you can detect trends that it's not as accurate as a sleep study, but you can at least detect those trends over weeks, months, and years. I love the Aura Ring, but you can use an Apple Watch, a Fitbit, a Whoop, anything like that. And what you can actually detect is how much REM sleep and deep sleep that you're getting. And what you'll find is when you get less than, I'd say, an hour of REM sleep a night, you're going to wake up probably feeling a little bit more cranky and not feeling your greatest. And I do it a lot with um, people as well. We 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 monitor their, their Aura Ring data. And when we get between that hour and a half to two hours, they're waking up feeling more refreshed. They're waking up feeling more recharged. But when they don't have that, or when we're able to see previous trends of them not getting that, they recall, yeah, I had anxiety, I had worry. And we all rated out of 10. And for them, it was like, wow, that anxiety was like an 8 out of 10. That mm -hmm. fear was like a, a 7 out of 10. And even not emotional, like very emotionally charged situations, they would have a pretty strong reaction to. Once we start to improve their sleep, the same things will happen to them. But that emotional charge is set of an 8 out of 10 is like a 1 or 2 out of 10 now. And they're just, it's just so much easier to process. Such a great point. And if we've got a tendency to be a bit reactive and maybe say yeah. things without thinking or, you know, jumping with both feet, then, you know, hopefully listeners are really getting how important this is. It could really be the, uh, a very important factor in, you know, our ability to 
effectively manage these difficult, challenging conversations or situations, whether it's with our partner, even at work as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's such an important area that we're, we're talking about today. Um, also, I wanted to say, um, I understand from the way you work, Riley, it's very much like about habits. It's like a holistic approach. It's not really medication focused. I know like a lot of people, if we're not sleeping well, the first thing we tend to do, certainly here in the UK, I don't know about in Canada, Riley, but people tend to go to the doctors and get a prescription, you know, some sleeping tablet. Mm-hmm. But do you want to say something a bit about like the different ways that we can kind of address this, like through the different modalities? Definitely. Yeah. And you, and you just hit it. We our culture has really hit a point of how do we take this pill and forget about it or get better as fast as possible. But usually I like to see symptoms as something downstream where there's, it's, it's a clue or a sign of that something's happening upstream. Like what is the root cause of where this is coming from? It's not a deficiency in sleeping, sleeping pills that you're not sleeping well. What if you were to see your hormones? What if you were to see under, under the hood of your biology, like what is actually happening? It's a little bit like a Jenga puzzle. If you think of a Jenga puzzle, you'll pull a block out here, it'll create stress on the other side. You pull a block out there, it'll create stress on the other side. And in our life, we have these hidden stressors in our body and they just add up, they add up to the point where we just can't sleep when we feel cranky. And the metaphor is the, the Jenga puzzle come, comes tumbling down. Yeah. And if we're able to put the, the blocks back in place and kind of heal our biology from the inside and out, it's it, it can be a lot better. So instead of going with the sleeping pill with a myriad of side effects, or coffee and we just stuff everything under the rug. If we prioritize relaxation, if we prioritize uh, really tuning into our body, like what does it actually need instead of trying to fight it all the time? Mm, that makes sense. Right? That definitely very much accords with, with what we do as well, Riley. So much of the solutions people look for the quick fixes mm-hmm. have their own side effects, don't they, and other challenges. And obviously people can take advice and you know go for whatever solution, solution they choose, but it's just worth... Yeah thinking through, you know, where we're heading here. Totally. Um, yeah, amazing. So um, in a minute, we're going to talk about the five tips that I'm sure people are dying to hear now. Now we've um, got so clear on how important this is. We're going to come on to that in just a moment. Um, first, I wanted to ask though, Riley, what are the main things that stop us from sleeping well? What are the things that we tend to do or um, the causes of poor sleep in your in your view? Yeah, for, for I would say one of the biggest things I see is phone screens or like TVs or blue light in general before people go to sleep. Now people work long days. Maybe they have children they come home. They're exhausted. They want to sit down and they want to be on their phone. Something that's relaxing, watch a video, a movie or anything like that. But what happens is the blue light that enters our eyes will directly suppress our master sleep hormone, which is called melatonin. When melatonin is suppressed, it's going to directly negatively impact our REM sleep. Less REM sleep means the next day, we're not going to be as recharged as we could be, which affects our relationship. So you can see how this down, down, downward spiral can happen. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest ones that I would see for sure, why people don't get the greatest sleep. Also, lots of coffee or they have coffee too late in the day. Mm-hmm. That can also be a big one as well. But really taking the time in your evening routine is the biggest one. It's just something that's really quick to do where you can, where you can start to recharge. And that's where we'll go more into the five tips. Yeah, perfect. Well, that leads us on nicely, right? So let's come on to uh, uh, the five tips that you know things that are really uh, and uh, having read these I, I really love what we've put together here because they're not only you know very powerful but they're also very simple as well they don't require for most people massive sacrifices changes in our lifestyle it's just in a bit of awareness and consistency so yeah i'm really excited yeah. to get into this, right so let's get into the first of our five tips to revolutionize our sleep 
So the first one is we want to sleep in a pitch black bedroom. Now we're speaking idealistically here. Ideally, you would want to make it so you couldn't see your hand in front of you at nighttime when you go to sleep. But there's a ton of lights that could come in from outside on our window. So how do we make it pitch black? Number one is blackout curtains. That's really good. When you have blackout curtains to prevent the light from coming around, you can get Velcro um, to kind of pin that light around. So that's one. The other thing is Internal light from like the lights from our cable boxes or fans or heaters or TV, even though our eyes are closed, we have receptors around our eyes that can detect light at a subtle level. So to turn all those off while we're sleeping is really important. And this kind of can, can tie into sort of, you know, our phones when we sleep. But if we can turn our phones off like an hour prior to sleep and even put like an audiobook on on a timer or like a meditation while we're just closing our eyes and letting our thoughts slowly drift... This is so good for our brains to downshift from like gear six down to gear one. And it's going to allow that deep sleep to really happen a lot more. So that's mm. number one. I see. So just to get clear on that. So it's around avoiding light, even like where you may not think it's really affecting you, but on some level it could be. Exactly. So minimize the light in the in the space around us. Yes. I see. Because um, I, I guess that can interrupt with the the patterns or can cause us to wake up, can it? Is that is that what happens? Exactly. Yeah. Those, those light will uh, cause you more so to wake up in the middle of the night. It'll be hard to get to sleep. Or if you wake up to go to the bathroom or anything else in the middle of the night, it's just going to be hard to fall asleep. And now you're thinking about the next day and all the stresses with that. And you know, people know that, that when it happens to them. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Perfect. So yeah. Amazing. Well, let's go on to the second. What What's the second uh, tip you wanted to share with us? For sure. So the second one is we don't want to eat any food about two to three hours prior to sleep. And the reason for that is because if we eat too close to bedtime, it's going to cause a couple things. Our body temperature is going to increase. It's going to cause our stomach to start digesting when a lot of the blood is going to be in that area opposed to trying to heal our body. And it's also going to affect our blood sugar levels. And we want our blood sugars to be stabilized between like, let's say plus one and minus one, like blood sugar goes up, blood sugar goes down. Mm. But if we eat food close to bedtime, we're now getting these blood sugar spikes maybe to plus five, minus five, plus 10, minus 10. And with that comes increased cortisol, adrenaline, and insulin when we our body needs to be in a stable environment. But if we have these up and down roller coasters, it can cause us to wake up in the middle of the night. So probably like if you're going to bed, let's say 10 p.m. average, uh, if you can have your last meal by 5, 6 p.m., that's usually mm. a good sweet spot. 5, 6 p.m., perfect. And if are there any types of food, Riley, that would be, let's say you, you, you have your meal at 5, but then you're a bit hungry, maybe 7 or 8, what would be the kinds of food that would be least disruptive to sleep would you say definitely so if you feel hungry before bedtime it's a sign that your body's probably telling you something that you could probably have a bit of food you might have low blood sugar so one of the things you can do is like a light snack one of my favorites is frozen blueberries frozen berries in general have the highest uh, nutritious content for one because because they're frozen they can restore those nutrients mm. um, they're also the lowest sugar so berries are the lowest um glycemic index as they would say so you can have that you can mix that in with natural unpasteurized honey Honey is very good to give you that short little burst of um, uh, blood sugar just to stabilize it throughout nighttime. You can also do one or two tablespoons of any kind of um, like peanut butter, cashew butter, almond butter. The fat will help stabilize that blood sugar as well while you're sleeping. So you can kind of make a concoction like a small bowl of frozen blueberries with the honey in a form of fat. And as a bonus, you can throw in some NCT oil, which is um, just a form of uh, to put your body in a little bit of ketosis state while you sleep and that will help stabilize it as well i see fantastic sounds, sounds good amazing so that covers off the food what's the third area uh Riley? 
The third one is we really got to watch your caffeine intake. Now, everybody is different with caffeine. Some people are a slow metabolizer of caffeine, meaning when we drink coffee, it stays in our system a lot longer. Other people are fast metabolizer of coffee. We all know people who drink coffee in the evening time and they can sleep like a rock. That's probably about 5% of us, but we all, all know someone that can. But for the majority of us, we our last cup of coffee should probably be the last one, 2 p.m. by the latest, but I'd usually say about 11 or 12 p.m. Um, most people I notice are sensitive. If we can do that, then when we go to sleep, we won't have caffeine rushing through our system. Um, and we'll be able to not only get to sleep easier, but stay asleep longer as well. Is that 11 a.m., 11 in the morning? I see. 11 a.m., yeah. 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. is usually a good sweet spot. I see. Good. So avoiding caffeine. Uh, does that include tea as well, Riley, or just coffee? Um, so there's a range there. So coffee has the most amount of caffeine and there's different forms of tea. So like black tea, it's definitely a lot better than regular coffee, but you could probably have a tea in the afternoon if you want. Um, in terms of, uh, teas, caffeine content, black tea and Earl Grey tea, they have the most amount of caffeine, green teas in the middle, then white tea is probably with the least amount of caffeine. So I know some people, they can drink green tea at dinner time and sleep fine. Um, I'm one of those people and green tea has many benefits as well. Um, so I'd usually say that's probably okay, but people just really have to see what their body uh, does best. It's a great point, isn't it? To be like self-aware and just see what works for us. Yeah. Uh, I know at one point I was drinking, uh, I hadn't really thought about it that much, but I was drinking quite a bit of black tea that I didn't mm. have. I had, and it was only a relatively small change. I normally drink green tea, but right. then I found myself getting some anxiety. I really... Yeah not exactly palpitations but a bit of like over stimulation yeah. and i was thinking yeah. well what am i doing differently here yeah and eventually i boiled it down to this tea that i was having you know mm. regularly and yeah uh, yeah sometimes if we're just aware enough to notice that it can be really helpful can't it yeah yeah that self-experimentation you know just try this for a week and see how you go one last thing i'll say on that is if caffeine stimulates you a lot in the morning time and it's too much for you to, to handle. You can do a black tea or another good tea in the morning is like a yerba mate tea. So you still get that caffeine if you need it, but it's a lot less mm. than, uh, than it is. Another good brand is called Four Sigmatic, which is basically a mushroom coffee. Another good one to check out. Amazing. Thank you. Perfect. What, what's the next uh, tip, Riley? The, the fourth one, please. Yeah. Uh, the next one will be, you know, a big one that people want to use to wind down. So they're stressed after they get home from work. Sometimes people will open a bottle of maybe or a glass of wine or any form of alcohol, maybe it's beer or something else to really help wind down. That can be good. Um, but if you have it within six hours of bedtime, that can directly negatively impact REM sleep. Now, one or two nights, fine. But if you're doing it as an ongoing crutch, mm. then it can, it can uh, negate the quality of your sleep as well so that's one you, you most people probably want to be aware of that's such an interesting one isn't it riley and i know alcohol is such a big thing in our culture yeah. you know socially yeah. and everything else and and also i think a lot of people see alcohol as being like a way to relax it's sort of intrinsically like if you've ever if we ever have alcohol it, it does give us that sense of like relaxing releasing but yeah. this is quite a counterintuitive one isn't it because from what yeah. i understand it's it's you know, we may feel somewhat relaxed, but in terms of the yeah. quality of our sleep, yeah, it has a big impact. Is is that right? 
Yeah, that's exactly it. And one thing I'll touch on is why do we feel relaxed when we drink alcohol? Well, we have different brain neurotransmitters and one of them is called GABA. GABA is sort of the breaks in our brain. Well, we can actually induce the same thing naturally with GABA and we can have a supplement known as like PharmaGABA. It's just a natural supplement. Always check with your doctor. You can do other things like L-theanine. That's something that's actually in green tea. Um, you can do other supplements. Another one is called adaptogenic herbs. So you could do like ashwagandha or like a holy basil tea. These are all things that will naturally... Um, relax your body a lot more than, than alcohol will sometimes actually. Mm. And if you can, if you can downshift from seventh gear down to one within 20 minutes, imagine how much easier you could sleep, you mm. know, from a stressful day at work. And that's what some of these supplements can do. I see. Any other, any other ideas, Riley, or, or hints around if people are looking for that sort of relaxation after work, you know, maybe we've had a bad day and it's, you know, we've got these things on our mind. What, what else would you recommend as an alternative to alcohol? In that situation for sure you can also do things like an epsom salt bath are amazing epsom salts it's form magnesium so it's incredible you can also go with meditation like you can do a self-guided meditation um the honest guides on youtube it's free they're a great resource a favorite of people um that i know um you can also do things for example like an outside walk breathing in through your nose it's called box breathing so when you're just walking outside you breathe in through your nose for five seconds, hold it for five seconds, and then breathe out your nose for five seconds. Do about five rounds of that. And that is shown scientifically to really um, induce, it's called the parasympathetic, your rest and digest nervous system, also known as your vagus nerve. And if people want to get more exploratory, you know, there's tech. So there's something called Sensate. It's called getsensate.com. It's a little pebble on your chest um, that vibrates. Um, that's really good. Another device is called Apollo Neuro. You can download an app on your phone called brain.fm. That's also incredible. So there's so many gadgets and ways to do it. And just consider these tools in your toolbox. You don't have to use them at once, but just try each one, see how you react. And journal is really important too. So if you can just self-monitor subjectively how you feel, because we forget what we ate for breakfast two days ago. And so if you can monitor this stuff um, and look back at it, you can see the improvements you make. That's a really great point, Riley, isn't it? And it reflects back what we said earlier about like, when we try different things. Mm -hmm. you know, let's say we have a really amazing few days and we're just feeling on top of the world well yeah. wouldn't it be useful just to think well what did i do differently what was that what practices or habits was i running during this time when i was really thriving mm -hmm. compared to when i'm not and so totally. get a nugget of insight from that um yeah amazing well um yeah so on to the fifth and final tip please so the final one is a bit of one that um is probably one that most people don't know about. Everyone thinks that sleep is all about the evening routine, but equally it's all about the morning routine. And what we do in the morning can actually impact what happens at nighttime. And what that is, is we want to expose our eyes to the sun for 10 to 30 minutes within the first hour that we wake up. And the reason is without going too much into the science of it, but when we wake up, our cortisol is at its highest point, our melatonin is at its lowest point. When sun enters our eyes, it it enters something known as our master clock, which is in our brain. This master clock will send a signal to all of our organs, all of our hormones to start turning on, to start the machinery running. If we do not get those signal inputs, then it's very difficult for them to know when is it time to turn off. And so if we can get that happening on a regular basis of exposing your eyes to the sun, what that looks like is when you walk outside, don't look directly at the sun, that's bad for your eyes. But if you can look maybe 30 degrees off from the sun as much as you can, don't wear sunglasses. Um, for your morning walk, you can, you can do that breathing as well. So you can start stacking some of these habits together at the mm -hmm. same time. And what you'll find is if you do that for about one to two weeks of that light exposure to your eyes, and you can try and get some in the afternoon too, if you can go for a walk, mm -hmm. what you'll find is in the evening time, just naturally start feeling tired, but you'll start naturally feeling more less stressed. 
and then you'll start sleeping better. And if you track um, sleep, like I'll do with my clients, we'll see their REM sleep and their deep sleep will just naturally improve. I mean, it's really incredible. And one small study they did in Japan is they took chronic insomniacs, just like the worst of the worst. And they, they went into the Japanese forest. Uh, it's called forest bathing, Shinji Nyoku. And they did it for, uh, I think it was like one or two weeks. And it was something like 95 of those insomniacs reported their insomnia. All the symptoms disappeared and vanished. And a lot of that was just the natural habitat, the environment, exposing their eyes to the sun, going to sleep when the sun was going down. Mm-hmm. And so if you can mimic sort of that ancestral environment as much as you can, that's kind of a good a good starting point. Sounds really, really helpful. And yeah, it's, um, if um, I guess one thought just came to mind, like, you know, with our, our in our modern world, we have access to lots of, like gadgets and artificial light it's quite different i guess to how our ancestors would have been um and any thoughts on that how well how that impacts on us and how we can mitigate that yeah you bet and and that's that's a it's a really valid point and that's called the savannah principle of where you know our ancestral environment where we grew up in you know in the trees the savannah wherever it was our bodies have not adapted to our current modern environment it's it's so different for us so these different forms of light i mean the forms of light that we had before was the sun you know we'd have let's say a fire or we would have moonlight the stars and everything like that but now we have all these you know fluorescent lights and fake forms of lights that our body and mind isn't used to and so if we can have more you know amber based light or at nighttime we could turn on candles um incandescent light bulbs blue light blocking light bulbs Another one I want to mention is wearing blue light blocking glasses. One of my favorite brands is called True Dark. If you just Google True Dark, there's a bunch of glass down there you can check out and wear those one to two hours before sleep. Amazing. And you'll find is if you expose your eyes to the sun in the morning, put those on before bedtime, you'll just see your rhythm getting getting a lot better. Fantastic. That's great to hear. And what we'll do in the show notes, uh, Riley, is we'll include some links for people, obviously your site as well. And uh, just so people can access some of these things you've been mentioning, because it's such a fascinating area. Um, amazing what um, massive thanks, you know, for what we've covered today. It's been really insightful and powerful. And I hope we've inspired people to really take this thing seriously, you know, to recognize the impact that it can have and also see that there's some really manageable, achievable changes that we can make that can really help us here. So um, it's been really, really helpful. Um, what would you say, uh, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with you, Ryan? Yeah, pretty easy. They can just go to thesleepconsultant.com and on there they can book a free sleep assessment uh, directly with me and we can go through currently what they're struggling with and yeah, walk away with any um, any free tips. And on there they can join the newsletter. It's a great, um, I send weekly tips directly to their inbox. Amazing, fantastic. And I just wanted to ask about the measurement. You said about like how useful it is to start measuring. Mm, yeah. I guess like we're fortunate really like because so so many people have like electronic gadgets on their wrist that will actually give yeah. you some breakdown any tips on like the best ways to measure or things to look out for if people were saying well okay i'd love to just get an understanding of how good my sleep is what what could they do for sure my favorite one is to get an aura ring if you go to auraring.com um i think it's two or three hundred dollars us and if you just start wearing that it'll tell you from your phone what is your REM sleep? What is your deep sleep? All the other gadgets and wearables are great too, but specifically for sleep. And it's just a ring. It's not something that's on your wrist. Um, it's one of my favorite and it's it's one of the most accurate and one that I use uh, with my clients. And if you can just start tracking that data, you'll start making improvements yourself because it'll become, it'll become a game where you want to improve this night's score to last night's score. And mm. I find that's all you need to do. They just need to wear it, look at the stats, and then my work's done. <laughs> 
Fantastic. That's uh, exactly as, as the 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 phrase goes. What gets measured gets improved, doesn't it? So it sounds That's like right. a great, uh, great starting point there. Totally. Well, um, yeah. What what is your final thought? Just a final, uh, I guess, call to action or um, takeaway that you want to leave people with, Riley, in this area of of sleep. Yeah, you bet. So the biggest thing I'd say is focus on the inside first. And then the outside will solve a lot of itself. You know, you can focus on all the tactics, strategies, and different things to do on the outside. But if you think about your internal machinery, if it, if you think of it like a car, and if you feed your machine right and it's running more efficiently, you just naturally will become a better person. And it'll be a lot easier. And opposed to trying to do all these external things and manage symptoms, just get to the root cause of where that's coming from. And you'll just be better off and it's more sustainable for the rest of your life. Makes a lot of sense, Riley. And um, what would you say the most common root causes are that you know that people identify through this? What what are the key key things? Yeah, one of the biggest root causes is when we look at their biology, we'll see their cortisol levels are very high or very low. There's a dysrhythm there. Sometimes they're not entering their genetics, so we'll see their genetics. And they're a nighttime person, but maybe they're going to bed in the morning or they're a morning person, they're going to bed too late. And once we get a match to what their biology is and we start working on that and we'll see like their brain and their thyroid gland and their, their gut and things like this. Um, once you give your body the right inputs, it'll give it, give you the right outputs. You know, your, your body is not to sound too woo woo, but your body's an a, a beautiful piece of machinery. If you give it the right inputs, it has a, a great way of healing itself. It's just, we get in our own way and there's all these internal stressors and fires that are preventing that from happening. But once you remove those, it's like a garden that's full of weeds. We, we, we remove the weeds first and then we plant seeds in that garden and then that garden can flourish. But the first step is remove those weeds. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.